welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about careers in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we're joined by Cindy Carter, who is the CISO at Checkpoint Software. Cindy, how are you today? I'm doing really well, Gene. How are you? Happy Wednesday. It is happy Wednesday. Absolutely. I, I recorded this the other day with another guest and I said, happy Friday. And then uh, our producer reminded me it was only Thursday. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Friday it, Eve, right? Exactly. Well, wonderful. So Cindy, so glad you could join us today and tell us about your journey into cybersecurity. So maybe we could start with that, just a little bit about your background and how did yeah. you end up in this crazy field of cybersecurity. <laughs> well, you know, everybody's journey is so unique. And that's one of the conversations that I just love to have with folks. So I'll go back a few years. I actually started out in pre-med. My mother was a nurse and my father worked at IBM. Um, okay. And so healthcare and IT have sort of always been part of growing up for me. But when I was pursuing college, I did pursue pre-med. And then I was looking at, you know, the eight plus years of medical school mm. debt and all of those things. And I decided I wanted to make money sooner rather than later. And so I changed my major over to computer science. And with my dad working at IBM, he was able to take me to work with him on those take your kid to work day. Mm -hmm. My mom couldn't because I'd be just bumping into IV poles all day. So right. I got to sort of play on the computers, if you will. At a very young age, this was, you know, I didn't have an iPhone in my hand. I actually had a PC in front of me. Mm -hmm. And in the back of, you know, one of the offices that my dad and I would sometimes visit, there would be like a stack of older PCs that were maybe getting ready for retirement, if you will. And so I got to take them apart, which I thought was just fascinating. The yeah. motherboard was something that, I don't know, I just, I looked at that circuitry and it just baffled me. And so, you know, my curiosity, sort of blossomed from there. So with a computer science degree, I did uh, start right away in IT. And I have done everything in my career from pulling cables under the floor or through the ceiling, racking and stacking servers, doing rules and policies on firewalls, writing code. And then somewhere along the way, there was that fork in the road. And it was actually uh, much like what your organization does, ThreadX, it was for application security. So mm -hmm. my, my software developer roots sort of came back to haunt me or to greet me again right. about 10 years later, 10 or 12 years later in my career. And the organization I was working for at the time was pursuing FedRAMP authorization. They were a software engineering company and their software had to get certified. And so as part of that process, I had the familiarity with software development processes and the head of security at the time said, I want you to come and lead this for us. And that is exactly how I started in cybersecurity. Oh, wow. That's, and that's a big project for those who aren't oh, familiar with the FedMAP process. Uh, that's quite a process to lead yes. an organization through. So that's awesome. And and for our listeners that maybe haven't heard of Checkpoint Software, which is you know, one of the pillars of the uh, cyber industry and have been around for a long time, can you tell us just a little bit about Checkpoint? Of course. So my role currently is in the field as a chief information security officer. So going from those AppSec days through my, my journey in cybersecurity, I'm a four-time CISO now. 
And at Checkpoint, what I do for them is I work in the field to collaborate with other C-suite and also security teams um, Mm -hmm. to help solve their challenges, to help them create strategic roadmaps, to help them being able to execute on that. And sometimes to be an an ear to listen to or a shoulder to cry on because this industry, (laughs) as we know, is a bit chaotic. Yes, Um, it is. But Checkpoint is a 30-year company in cybersecurity. They are a pure cybersecurity company. It's all we do. It's all we breathe. It's through our DNA. We have solutions for traditional network security, you know, the perimeter and even software-defined networks as well. We have solutions around cloud security because as many organizations are moving into the cloud, we have, in my opinion, and I've I've seen a few out there, we have the absolute best cloud security protection that money can buy. Right. Uh, we have everything under end user protection, which is around email security, collaboration security, things around how your laptop or your tablet, that endpoint type of security things like that to keep the users safe, user access and zero trust considerations there. And then finally, even professional services. We are now, we just launched a managed detection and response and extended detection and response capabilities so that for teams that might not have enough resources to be able to handle all of those tasks, we have the services to be able to provide that as well with our expert threat intelligence that is based in Israel and is the standard in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So for our listeners that are thinking about getting into cybersecurity and don't want to join one of the 6,000 early stage companies, want to look for a super innovative, but what I'll say more stable, more mature organization, Checkpoint is definitely one to put high, high on the list. Well said. Yeah, I've I've got huge admiration for all the success the company's had over the last 30 years. So thank you. Let's I'm very proud to represent them. You should be. Absolutely. Fantastic. So you and I talked previously about the intimidation factor in cybersecurity. Many people think in this field it's out of reach because they don't have quote unquote tech skills or wouldn't be able to develop them. What do you say to people that that feel that way? So I also experienced that intimidation factor myself. So I know what it feels like, especially when, you know, here I had written software for, you know, 10 years. And then here was the head of security saying, you're going to head up application security. And I kind of scratched my (laughs) head and I thought, yeah, right. And mind you, I hadn't been part of the security team at all. Mm -hmm. So this was a new thing for me as well. But what I say to the folks that maybe didn't grow up in tech, even though I did, but, you know, for those that haven't, There are skill sets that are absolutely transferable to cybersecurity. And I've got a couple of examples for you. One of them is, and this is someone, this is what my daughter embodies, right? She doesn't necessarily want anything to do with tech, but I will tell you, she is really good at English language arts. And what I mean by that is when you have a technology capability And you have to create standards around it. And you have to be able to identify what the risk of something is. Being able to take those technical concepts and translate them into words that the rest of us can understand, that is an absolute skill set that someone who has those English language arts capabilities, even maybe with an eye towards legal a little bit, because now we know that cybersecurity and legal are really at an intersection now of working together. 
someone with those capabilities to be able to translate that technical speak into standards, policies, risk, that is golden right there. Another example would be something like if you're very creative, when you think about terms of being creative, you know, a lot of people don't think about cybersecurity as necessarily a very creative field, right? They think about it maybe in terms of it's much more black and white. It's much more, it's this way or that way. And when it comes to helping folks understand how cybersecurity is really woven into everything that we do nowadays, if you think about the fact that we have smart refrigerators, smart HVAC systems in our homes, technology is now part of everything that we do. And in making that technology accessible, making it something so that that people know that this is here to enrich our lives and people are using it and helping them understand that and, and bringing that marketing sense, that creativity to, you know, here's how this particular security capability will help you. You know, somebody in the marketing side of things could absolutely have that. And then, of course, there was another example I had here, and I can't remember what it is now, but I guess those yeah, are two right no, off the top I, I of my head. Oh, I know what it was. Please. If I may. Yes. So then on the other side of things, when you're talking about, you know, really, I'll say getting your hands dirty in cyber, you know, when we talk about incident response teams, and those are the teams that are involved, if and when that bad thing might be happening in your organization, and whether it's, you know, maybe the beginnings of something and how to trap it, how to find it, how to figure out how to stop it, whatever. Or if you're in the midst of we've had a full on compromise. If you look in your organization for people that might be volunteer first responders, they are great in a crisis and they are the best people to put on an incident response team because they can think quickly, make decisions very fast. They don't get charged up by all of the crisis type emotions that might be happening, right? Because first responders are very even keeled. They can focus on the task at hand. They don't get too mired up into the emotional side of things. They have a job to do and they get it done and they you know, are very on the spot, very quick to make decisions and get to resolution. They make fantastic incident responders. So there you go. There's three different yeah, examples. No, I think th those are great. And I think that creativity is underestimated by people that aren't familiar with the cybersecurity industry because the adversary is always really creative, right? The, of course. The hacker that's trying to, to get into checkpoint or threat X or more importantly, or equally as important to our customers, they're creative all day long. So we need creative thinkers on our side to be able to think about how to basically either avoid the attack or close out the attack if it happens. So I think that creativity, to your point, really does transcend all sorts of different types of roles and responsibilities within cybersecurity. Awesome. So we talk a lot about community and the importance of networking in our podcast. And I know that uh, when we talked about this, you know, you and I have found that to be one of the key ways that we've advanced our careers. So you know, what's one thing our listeners can do today right now to really up their networking game and get more involved in our community? Well, one thing first and foremost is update your LinkedIn profile. Make sure that you have a professional headshot, not one where you were at a party with a drink in your hand. <laughs> um, the second thing is, you know, really take a look at the things that you've done over whatever, the last three years, five years, 10 years, 
and make sure that your LinkedIn profile reflects that. And especially as far as how those skills that you do have are transferable. I just gave you three different examples. Mm-hmm. So write, you know, and, and use somebody that if you're not a good writer, if you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to put this all together and something that's coherent. There are people, there are actual LinkedIn resources that will help you write your profile. So there are resources out there, but first and foremost, get your profile updated. And then there's even something on there that you can put a a little banner on your photo that says open to network, open to hire, things like that. So get that out there. Put yourself out there because companies are looking at LinkedIn all day, every day. The second thing that you can do is your local community. You can search LinkedIn for this. You can search Google for it. But many local communities, different organizations, ISC Squared, ISACA, even just like I live here in Kansas City, we have a Kansas City technology group. You can find those groups out on LinkedIn and then join them. And then they may have monthly or quarterly meetings. Start showing up to them. Most of them are free. So you can start showing up, especially if you're a student, by the way, if you have a student ID, if there is a fee for attending any of the meetings or joining as a member, they typically either waive it or have a severely reduced fee if you're a student. So those are just a couple of ways of getting your feet wet, getting into that space where you can network and socialize and become part of the community that is right in your own city. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wonderful advice. And I totally agree. And, uh, I would add to it, especially for our introverts that listen to this podcast, go, man, I could never walk into a room full of strangers. You know, watch a YouTube video on how to right. walk into a cocktail party. And that's a learned skill as well. I mean, my mother, who actually uh, talked about nursing, my mom was a nurse, my daughter's becoming a nurse, but my mom is an unbelievably comfortable networker. She loves to meet people, can walk into a room full of 40 strangers and meet everybody. And I can present to a thousand people, but the thought of walking around to 40 strangers was a skill I needed to learn. So I would just help people to think about how to learn that skill, but it's critical. And I say because of cybersecurity has such a need for people that we are open to meeting new people. We want to see new people show up to our local mm-hmm. meetings, our B-sides, our Isaka, that we want new people because we need new people to join the industry. So, but it's a matter of you just getting yourself out there and getting to these events and shaking a couple of hands and and uh, getting over a little bit of that nervousness to realize that there's lots of people out there willing to help. Yes, absolutely. I, I love that example that you just gave about watching some YouTube videos about how to enter a cocktail party. And <laughs> I too, like when I'm at events like this, sometimes we have a booth, sometimes we don't. But I always sort of survey the crowd and and I look for people that might look like they're a little out of their element. And then I will go up and make that introduction as well. I I mean, anything that we could do to help embrace um, the future here is what we need to do. And I just think it's the right thing to do as well. I know I would want to be treated that way if I were in that situation. Yeah, I mean, do you think about us as uh, more experienced in this industry? it is our our role to be uh, welcoming, right? So yes. it's easy to talk to three friends that we've known for 20 years and haven't seen in a long time, but equally to take a look around and find that one lonely uh, lady or, or man who's just walked in the room and obviously they don't know anybody and take it upon ourselves to greet them and mm-hmm. bring them in the conversations and walk them around and make some introductions. 
I think that's great guidance. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, well, last question, uh, and this one's, I know something you and I have a lot of passion about, and that's, you know, mentoring people. So, you know, what's the one piece of advice that you give to people that you mentor? So I will say the advice that I give to people that I mentor is as the mentee, it is up to you to make that relationship happen, right? Typically, you know, a mentor and a mentee, however they end up finding each other, have some type of a common connection, right? But it is a two-way street. I, as a mentor, get just as much out of mentoring someone as hopefully the mentee does. And I would say, you know, make sure that you understand that that both of you have something to gain from that relationship, especially for the mentee. And I like to tell my mentees, make sure that you have something that you're working toward with your, your mentor. Maybe put together a professional growth and development plan. Put together a personal growth and development plan. I mean, because at the end of the day, all of this is personal. And so as you have that relationship, I've had some mentors from, you know, back when I first started in my career, that even though we're not in that relationship anymore, we're still very good friends and keep in touch with each other. Hey, how's it going? You know, I see that you started this new role over here, XYZ, whatever. Sometimes we even run into each other now at security conferences because it is a small world after all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, know that the mentee should help to drive the relationship, help keep things on task, help make sure that you're working actively with your mentor. You know, it's not a passive aggressive relationship is it is active, active. Mm. And the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. Yeah, I think that's well said, Cindy. I totally find that to be the case. And what I encourage people that I'm mentoring is like, just as you said, you have to own this relationship. I'm busy. You're not the center of my world. But anytime you ask me something, I will do it. But don't feel like you're inconvenienced me. Call me, text me, send me an email. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're not reaching out, you know, I'll try to reach out from time to time. But chances are, I'm going to force it to slip because you know your career is your career, and I'll try to help. But it's I can't manage it for you. So, you know, quote unquote, bother me you know, for lack of a better term to right. come and ask for things, and I'm more than glad to do things, whether it's additional introductions. I just made a series of in- introductions to a, a young gentleman. And I just said, hey, look, you know, let's follow up on those. And I, I know where there's at. And if those don't go anywhere, right. come back to me and ask me for a couple more. And I'll make a couple yep. more. But I hate to think of the idea that if he doesn't come back to me and I forget about it, then it kind of dies out. So, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. I tell people you're the CEO of your own career. Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know, make it what you want. And I'm here to help you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to help guide you. I'm not here to show you the way. I'm here to encourage and enable you to find your way because for everybody, it's different. So I love everything that you just said there though, Gene. It is very much an active, active relationship. And like I said, even after the mentorship part of it may have no longer be a need, I still feel that if we've established that bond, we're going to be friends for life. Yes, totally agree. And uh, I'll end on the same thing that you feel is uh, if you've built great mentoring relationships, they are friendships for life and people will always be there to help you. And uh, you know, yes. I, people that helped me early in my career, I can think of a gentleman, Bob Simmons. He was the first manager I ever had. I could call him today 
And if I had a problem that I thought he could help me with, he'd call me back in a second, right? And we're talking yep. 26, 27 years ago. So yeah, that's the power of it. Isn't that just amazing? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's, I just got chills. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Cindy, I knew you were going to be an awesome guest and you absolutely were. Can't wait to get this out to the public. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us today. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free of content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy, by using the promo code podcast. ThreadX Academy offers a wide variety of cybersecurity co- topics, and you can learn more at academy.threadx.com. Also check out our most recent episode of Neil Wetzel, who's our SOC manager, who talks about what he looks for when hiring entry-level people. It's one of our most listened to episodes so far until Cindy's episode comes out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website at threadx.com. Cindy, thank you again. Have an awesome day. And uh, we so appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure. Uh...